Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to the Food Service for Thought podcast. As a separate endeavor from Forbes, Seaver and Wallace, our goal with this platform is to connect all aspects of the food service industry through thoughtful, fun, and interesting conversations with people throughout the industry. While understanding the sensitive nature of our competitive industry, we are grateful for the opportunity to interview guests that are current and future customers of ours, as well as specialists in industry segments that we ourselves are just learning about. If you think you or someone you know would be an energetic and entertaining guest, or if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, please leave a comment or reach out to us directly. Our emails are in our bio. Thank you again for choosing to listen and remember to sit back, relax, and click play. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Food Service for Thought podcast. I am Justin. And I'm Carrie. And today we are joined by Christina Barker of Imperial Range. She is the sales director for the Central U.S. and Canada. Welcome, Christina. Hey, guys. Thanks. Glad to be here. All right. So this morning um, we are recording in Kima, Texas, and uh, Christina is in for a work event, and we really wanted to chat with her and get some uh, details and perspective from still the manufacturing sales side, but she's uh, our manufacturer's, re- she's a regional for Imperial Range, which is one of our factories that we represent. And uh, her perspective is unique and different from ours. So we're just going to chit chat today and see where it leads us. And we always start off, Christina, asking what is, what's been your journey? How'd you get in this industry? Because it, we all know it's not, uh, it's not an easy like you just go to get out of college and go, hey, I'm going to be in food service. <laughs> I know, right? There's definitely some truth to that. Uh, but I did. That's exactly what happened to me. I did, yes. I graduated from college and I um, I went on a few job interviews and uh, I, I took the... I took the best offer, really. Um, it's usually not that great. But well, lucky us. Yes. I'm glad you did. I did, yeah. So uh, I started off working at a uh, dealership in Chicago, Illinois, and um, the intention was for me to actually be a street person, you know, work on selling China and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, shortly after starting and attending roundtables and working in customer service so I could learn the lingo of the, of the business, really, uh, I had kind of gravitated a lot more on the equipment side. So started putting together bid packages, learning the lingo on that side of the business, um, going out on job sites. I mean, I really got my hands dirty, and I think that that really helped me um, learn about the people that we interact, the processes of. I mean, it's actually kind of. It, it can be difficult. We should celebrate more when a job goes right, know, you know, really? because we have so many people's <laughs> hands involved. I, mean, I think I counted one time. I was like thirty-three people involved in my job, and um, that's just a lot of. It's a lot of hands in the bucket, if you will. So, we need to kind of pat ourselves on the back a little bit more. I've never counted before. <laughs> well, don't. Or maybe do. I don't know. Like I said, sometimes you have to... It's 33 different personalities, 33 different perspectives, 33 different uh, concerns, points of, you know. Right, yeah. and has and, their own motives. Right, and essentially businesses. Yeah, I mean, we work with um, reps, manufacturers, dealers, freight companies. I mean, and then all the people in between that really supply all this stuff to us, too. So uh, we do a very good job considering how many hands are involved in all of our, our day-to-day business, really. So you went from a dealer and then, and then I and then I went down and I worked for another dealership, a small family-owned dealership, and I did some design work. Uh, and then after that, moved, moved um, 
moved to a rep side. I worked as a rep for about 10 years. And a couple of years ago, I came over to the manufacturing side. I never thought I would be on this side of the business, <laughs> but here I am. And I, I really love it. I feel like each, each kind of step along the way has really helped me um, in the next step. So yeah. it's been a good progression in my, in my thought process. Well, you have a great reputation in the industry. A lot of people, um, when they know that I know you, uh, talk about interacting with you and how much they, they like you. And I, for somebody, um, I mean, you've been in the business a while, but it, you know, it takes a long time for old timers to consider somebody new, yeah. like they've earned their stripes, you know, paid their dues. You definitely don't want to rise too fast in this industry yeah. and to have done that. And still, I'm serious, man. <laughs> I mean, you you know, people, it's crazy. I'm I don't know how know, many times. Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, well, and I'll, I don't have good news for you because I still figure things out every day. But, um, you know, it's funny. I'll interact with some people and they're like, well, you know, she's only been in doing this for a little while. I'm like, well, you know, not such a little while, but you have a great reputation, well, and we enjoy working with you. I, I Justin like doesn't you. like working with you at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I don't care for Christina. No, no. I know. I know. But no, you're great. Else. You're great. <laughs> I know that's a lie. We had too much fun together when we worked together. That's a big part of it, too, right? You got to... I always tell people I love what I do because I love the people that I work with. And I think that's that's something that shows in all of us. You guys both love what you do as well. Yeah. And that is what makes it fun. That's what gets me up every morning and, and keep trucking along. I definitely have more fun the more people I get to interact with. Yeah. On days mm-hmm. when I'm just project-driven and I don't really get to talk to anybody other than emails, <laughs> it's a different mood at the end of the day. Yeah. you know. And my motivations change because you can get laser-focused and not remember why you're doing this. Exactly. You know, It's like going back to the plant and seeing Peter and Matt and everybody and getting to chat with them. It just is another boost, you know? Yeah, I- Actually, going back, I try to go back to the facility, the plant, um, once at least once a quarter. And I think you're totally right. It, it is a great reminder about all the people that are back at that plant yeah. um, doing all this stuff for you. And, and our facility is world-class, really, really nice. So it does kind of remind you um, what you're doing and where it's all coming from. So you're right. It doesn't hurt that it's also in Corona, California. <laughs> this, is, this, this might... Might be true, yeah, especially in January in in Chicago. (laughs) I mean, I think manufacturing is difficult, period, but manufacturing in California has, I've heard, um, an extra set of challenges. Yes, it does. Um, We have to be a very clean... Um, a very clean facility. So there's no painting in there. There's, uh, I mean, there's really no nothing going on. Um, We fab clean. That's what we do. Yeah. If you get a chance, go to the plant. It's pretty impressive. It's very impressive. And everybody seems to be in a good mood. And um, I think you have people there for a long time, like long-term employees. We do. I think that actually stems directly from Peter. You know, we're still a family-owned company. Um, really a, a, a one guy company, you know, um, privately held and he kind of sets the pace for everything that happens in that facility. And he is all about a can do attitude. And I think that's so important in the work that those guys are doing. And then it, it, it shows through the work that we do as well. They are, the guys in the factory are responsible for putting out a, a dependable, product every day and they have to make it 
the same, you know, so that we can go out there and sell it confidently. And, um, and having that can-do attitude of, of, you know what, things change in manufacturing. Orders are different every single day. Guess what? We just got an order for 75 of these. We need to work on this, change the lineup. All of our guys are cross-trained. Um, so they're not stuck in the same ritual, so to speak. They can build everything that we fabricate. So um, a very uh, a very good thing, I believe, in a in a manufacturing facility. What are some of the changes? Or I guess the biggest changes are the changes that stick out the most to you since you started. When you started out of school, you started with the dealer, mm-hmm. and now I know your perspectives are different. I I also started with I worked for a couple of dealers, then a rep than a factory mm-hmm. back to rep. Mm-hmm. I really prefer that more. <laughs> um, so, which is good, I guess. <laughs> but what are the biggest changes that just pop out? There have been so many changes. Um, our world's moving faster, right? So we've had, and, and changes in different aspects. So we've had consolidation on both the manufacturing side as well as the dealer side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has... Um, been ups and downs, and some years we have a lot of consolidation, and others we don't. Uh, I think another big, uh, big shift in the industry is how people are getting information, oh, and yeah. that's like getting information from the manufacturers, getting information from the reps, getting in- information from the dealers. I mean, a lot of times uh, our end users know what they want to buy, and they almost know sometimes more about the equipment than, you know, maybe the the very dealer that they're going to about it. You know, maybe they just don't sell that product. And then there's also more brands out there. So we have um, uh, imports, we have American-made products, we have products coming from all all across the world, really. This industry has always been a layer, you know, when we talk to people who come into the industry. Like, remember, Justin, when you started... explaining the industry, there's a lot of yeah, buts. That's true. That that was one of the hardest things for me to get used to was all the different layers of the industry. And I don't know if convoluted is the right word, but that's what I'll use because I feel like it is a very convoluted and layered industry. And now you add the element of accessible information for all the all of the customers um like we have as consumers to go on amazon or Mm -hmm. just to look online and do research and then you add like you said christina a a myriad of other brands that have just popped up from overseas and whatever and i think it becomes very difficult for the customer that is trying to find a great product at a fair price how do you achieve that and i think as as consumer one way i've seen that recently is my wife and i have a a seven-month-old baby is looking for certain products for ba- there's so much out there i had to do so much research on just a baby monitor or a stroller or whatever it's like why can't i just find like the good ones and I, <laughs> there's like a thousand of each so i, I think that's a challenge because it, it, it's the same thing in the food service industry there's a thousand a million of every single brand out there well, yeah you're you're completely right and that is a challenge how do we get the right message that we're a you know an american made manufacturing facility that does make high quality, you know, stuff at a fair price. People, you know, it, it's like this price thing. Okay. It's the game. They want it cheap, but they want it well made. Maybe I, you know, it's, it's this game that we kind of go back and forth on. And I think what, what I've kind of learned through the years is as long as you stay true to who you are, that's true for your you know, personal growth, as well as, you know, your business. Um, that's what you have to do. And I think, um, luckily with 
Peter Spinoza, the owner of our company, and Matt Wise, um, our general manager, that he they, they've just they've kept the focus on what are we really good at and what do we really want to do, you know. And I I applaud them for that. Yeah, you know, as a business owner, we can really get in trouble when we lose our way and try to be everything for everybody, mm-hmm. whether it's everything for every employee or everything, even as, you know, there are, there are three owners. And even when we try to, to, to just kind of narrow that focus and what we have to understand is who we are and what makes us who we are. Mm-hmm. And you have to reboot sometimes. You really have to reboot and look at that, and and it's not easy to do. I think um, that's something our industry really needs to look at. Um, We're trying, whether we're an internet dealer or we're an installer or servicer or manufacturer's rep, a manufacturer's rep that distributes, you know, whatever. Um, We're trying to chase this what is the next thing mm-hmm. and that's and we do need a change we need to look at things and we need to look at our processes and how we improve but at the end of the day that all has to be guided by who you are yeah and who you want to be the world is always going to be changing right i always say change is good but so when you say reboot what you really mean is just like take a step back see what's changing we just had a huge shift in how we go to market. You know, we used to utilize distribution uh, as the method for getting all of our products out there, you know, quickly. It, it was it was really smart, you know, to do that. But now that we've had some other influences kind of come in and things have changed, guess what? We had to take another step back and go, we need to change with it. And I think that you constantly have to reevaluate or quote unquote reboot uh, what you're doing in order to stay relevant. That's that's key. So what are, um, to you, the challenges, uh, the biggest challenges? Or it, you know what? What are some of the challenges of manufacturing in the United States? Oh, where do I start? You know, you have to take a deep breath before that one. Um, and it's it, this isn't necessarily a political statement. It's just the environment that we live in. Um, a lot of the st- stuff that we deal with is mandated. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it changes with whomever is kind of... Um, you know, at the helm. And not that it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a challenge. You know, like I said, we have to be flexible and we have to be nimble no matter what it is. So uh, dealing with um, uh, trade things, um, it can be a struggle. You know, like now what we do is we try to source everything here in the United States as much as we can. But the reality is, is that a lot of the componentry and, and things that go into our equipment, and we're not, we're not an anomaly here. This is really the standard, all kind of comes from outside of the United States. Um, it's, it, it just, it is what it is. It's a, it's a sign of the times, right? So people want a price-driven product. Other people have to source outside. Then these other forces kind of happen, and we have to kind of figure out how how is that going to affect our pricing. So within this last year, um, I would say probably even like year and a half, it's been uh, it's been a challenge because we also understand that our customer we have a long a long sales cycle in this industry. You know, very rarely does someone come to you today and say. I'm going to build out a whole whatever restaurant of some 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 size, 
uh, and I need it here in six to eight weeks. If that happens, it, it might be a mistake. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're like, what? There's, that, there's something's going to go wrong. Right. Yeah. Something's going wrong. So, you know, we, we have consultants involved. I mean, they, they could plan out projects for three to five years. Um, and over the course of three to five years, we have really got to go back and reevaluate the things that have changed. We live in a much faster paced world, price increases, um, technology modifications, uh, construction uh, differences. So it's a challenge really for everybody in all verticals of this business, I feel like. I also don't think people have a lot of patience for that. <laughs> I notice, you know, and I think it's it's not food service, right? It's right. the it's the way it is right now. And um, you know, you see this on social media. If somebody makes a mistake, one little mistake, they're demonized, mm-hmm. and and their life is changed yeah. by these mistakes. We don't have forgiven, you know, we're not a forgiving. Um, as a people, people, uh, an individual person definitely can be, right. you know? Yeah, you're right. But uh, I think that w- having this conversation and the more more information that we get out about the challenges should be helpful. And it's why we do the podcast about connecting people. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about food service and manufacturing. I'm guessing any manufacturing anything in the States, there are some components that are not made here, period. You can't, if you wanted them to be made in the United States, it's not possible. Yeah, I would say even industry leaders, like I could throw out some brands and, and I could tell you that none of those things are made here in the United States and people would go, Really? And it's like, yeah. And some of it's due to consolidation and whatever else. Like I said, this isn't a bad thing. It's just the world that we live in, you know? So we just have to, I think sometimes people go back to a brand that they've trusted for, you know, several years or or even decades, if you will. And it's kind of like, well, they've changed. So take a look at it. And we've changed too. So, you know, give us a chance. Give give it all another good look (laughs) is what I'm saying, you know? But I do feel like... um, how I try to relate my business life is what are my actions in my day-to-day life, you know? And I think that's how we try to maybe stay relevant. You had mentioned that you go onto Amazon and that you buy things from there, you know, and that's, that's a, it's, it's just a sign of the times. Um, but we get a lot of information from there and how do we trust that information? How do we get that message out to people of, of what we're doing? But I mean, you know, we look at videos um, we look at, I, I don't know, you try to educate yourself, you know? So we, it's, I, I think it's kind of our responsibility, um, maybe as a manufacturer to help build that story. Well, one thing you mentioned about educating ourselves, and we talked about this with Chris Collins, um, on one of our previous podcasts, but customers, you know, you can now as consumers and customers in any industry, you can really educate yourself online, watching videos, like you said, reading, but you're still not necessarily an expert in the same way that someone who works in whatever industry that is. And in our industry, I I brought up a funny example of a a thing I learned the hard way uh, my first year was uh, measuring the door width to make sure that a convection oven can fit inside the building. Uh, So that's something where, you know, I thought, okay, as a consumer, maybe even you think, okay, you're educated on all these different things, but you might overlook something simple like that. Like, hey, can I get this thing in my house? You know, but you did all the research to figure out like, hey, this is the right piece of equipment for my house. It's part of one of those 33 hands. (laughs) That's that's right. That's right. So I I think when education 
um, when now that there's access to more information, I think that's also a cautionary tale for for customers because it can kind of lure you into a false sense of security that okay, well, I don't need you know support from the dealer side or the consultant side or the factory side or the rep side or whatever. I know exactly what I want. Then you still, you know, I think you need to be careful about that. Like you said, give everything another look, take a step back, and kind of reevaluate everything. And, and trust your trust your resources. You know, I think that is the most important thing. And we have to listen. You know, I try to when I when we're working with a new group or someone that we haven't worked with in the past. Um, I just don't want to throw things at them and see if it sticks, so to speak, more or less. I'd rather go in and have a, a conversation. You kind of just said it. We can't be everything to everyone, and we're not. We're looking for really good partnerships out there, and we're looking for people that we can communicate with. We may not get it perfect the first time, and I don't want that to end a relationship. I want to say, all right, let's step back and reevaluate. We're we're a manufacturer that wants to work with people. You know, we don't just want to say this is what we got and you got to work around it. So we really want those relationships to be formed with our reps, with our dealers, with our end users, uh, so that we can continue to change with them. Concepts change. You know, that just there's a lot of change going on out there, and we have to depend on our communication skills to to get through it. But if we if we could on purpose engage with people locally in our community and our, you know, in our counties, city, states, whatever, locally and have that mix and be, be conscious of the mix of, you know, using Amazon and doing that research. And yeah, there's sometimes, you know, if you want order a dozen pens when you get your vitamins on Amazon, that's fine. But if you're going to go to a vitamin store and talk to somebody who works there and interact with them, don't leave that store and order it online. Mm-hmm. You know this. If you're listening, you know this. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Do a mix. Have a mix. Engage with people and connect with people and and a sense of responsibility for one another. Right. And so I think that, you know, kind of, circles back to the uh to the point of having a, a relationship with the people that you work with and you know going back to the plant and reconnecting with everybody we for somebody for a society or a world i don't know is supposed to be as connected as we are social media and the internet is a wonderful wonderful thing and it's a horrible horrible thing right. and it's also the world we live in mm-hmm. so bitching and complaining about it doesn't get us anywhere we do have to accept it and then you go back to being true to who you are right. you know and i think that's when we get messed up and you know when somebody is forgetting that they're dealing with a person that, and affecting their income when you know they may go into a dealer and want the cheapest thing possible and then in a year when it breaks because it's an import and not that all imports are bad, right. just that you know we need to have some responsibility, I think. Absolutely. And I mean just speaking on the import thing, we we have a different um a mentality about that. I think um for me uh, quality is is paramount, um, and therefore sometimes when when people say things like um, I want it to be you know uh, Energy Star, but I want it to be cheap, and 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 I want it to be this, and I want it to be that, it, it's not. It just can't. It can't all happen. So what we try to do is make products that are going to last that you will fix, you know, like a good car. (laughs) Um, I want you to be able to drive that thing, meaning our equipment, for 12 hours a day, you know, for 
10 to 12 years and really get the mileage that that you deserve out of it. But that does come along with um, maintenance and repair. Like, just, I, I don't know why I always go back to the car industry as an analogy. And I think it's because we all have one, you know, so we all understand that every couple months we have to do that regular maintenance. And it's, you know, if you drove your car 80 miles a day for 12 hours, or I'm sorry, 80 miles per hour, 12 hours a day, <laughs> which some of us do, right? Uh, especially if you're a rep in Texas, um, you know that you have to maintain, you have to do that maintenance more regularly if you want to keep the darn thing, you know? And that's kind of like our our viewpoint, I would say, as why we're eco-friendly is that we're trying to give you the big, big quality piece, right? But um, it's on you as the owner to kind of take on that ownership part. And we'll help you with that. We'll help you because we'll have communication and, re- and relationships with you. So, I, you know, when we talk about the biggest changes and the biggest challenges, I think that um, we're saying the same thing. We have to have responsibility for ourselves, mm-hmm. but we have to have responsibility for one another. And how do you do that with yep. communication? And at the end of the day, you know, the Internet's important, but we have to come back to communication and relationship. Absolutely. And, I, you know, that's why I think the rep mo- in Texas, I mean, I've only ever worked and lived in Texas, but some of the dealers that we get to interact with, their dedication to their customers is is really interesting as the dealership market changes a lot, you know, with internet, they're, they're struggling just like we are trying to figure out who are we, what's important, what, cause you have to reshape what value is right now, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and I don't mean price. Well, I think, um, I think something that's important in all this too, as we talk about all the changes and everything is also understanding the customer from a food perspective, because over the last five to 10 years, just like everything else technology-wise has changed very, very quickly. I, I feel like the food scene has changed very, very quickly. And seven to 10 years ago, food trucks were the bee's knees. And now that's still popular, but... <clears throat> I love it when you say the bee's knees. The bee's knees, yeah. <laughs> but that's sort of, you know, and there was a farm-to-table movement for a while, and now that's still there, but it's not the, the buzzword. And now it seems to be more on customization and uh, dietary intolerances or preferences or anything like that. So I think it's it's also important to, um, and we were talking about this before the mics came on, Christina, about staying true to who you are because there's equipment out there, and we and we work with that equipment that is more technology driven to expedite the cooking process. But um, then you also sacrifice skill in the kitchen, and it's finding that balance and and as an end user um, determining who you are and being true to yourself. And I think that's where the communication aspect goes in because as reps or as dealers, we need to be on the ground every day, understanding what the needs are of the customer and what the right piece of equipment is going to be so we can maximize the, the value for the for the customer. But we have all types of people that come here and bring their influences here, and it's really neat. We get all different types of food and spices and trends and buzzwords because of that. You know what I mean? So um, designing equipment for uh, the right style that you want to do. And maybe you've got different restaurants. You know, if you're a restaurateur, you've got different restaurants that are doing different things because all this food is great, you know, and it's all really exciting. And I think that is probably the the coolest thing about this industry. What I think is kind of funny too, is at the end of the day, our customers' customers are us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I so know. That, that's a good thing for all of us to remember. <laughs> maybe we can segue to um, when we are working with a, a restaurant 
remember that you are, we might be your vendor, but we are also your customer. Mm-hmm. And and if we all remember that both ways, won't that be interesting? And yeah. talk about connection and relationships. So um, a while back, Justin, I think it was you who suggested we thought um, we should be the customer we would like our customers to be. Mm-hmm. And it is challenging sometimes because we're judging what's worthy of our time and we can't have open doors just like our customers can't have open doors to all of us. So um, we're we're almost at the 30 minute limit, which is what we like to keep these podcast episodes to. Um, uh, Justin, Justin added a while back and I think it's super awesome. The fire the board uh, rapid fire question deal and uh, the fire the board. You explain fire the board. So fire the board is a kitchen term that chefs use in the back of the house that's related to the outstanding entrees or appetizers that still need to be finished cooking and uh, sent out to the guests. So when it gets really busy um, and everybody wants their food at once, the chef will basically say fire the board, which means everything that's that's left to, that needs to be cooked, cooked it all at once and uh, let's get a move on. And uh, your hair's on fire and you're going a million miles an hour, but that's when it's fun to be in a kitchen. So in that same spirit, Christina... Uh, These will be the most difficult questions you have ever answered in your entire life. So take a minute, regroup. Yes, woosah. All right. First question to lead off, what is your favorite food? Food. (laughs) Does that count? I don't don't know if I have a favorite food. I literally, you know, my husband laughs at me because whenever he's like, what do you want to eat tonight? And I'm always like, noodles or soup. But... You know, I really, I love food. Like, I love everything. Okay. Well, wh- I know that everything doesn't fall into this category. So what are you binge watching right now? Oh, we just started, um, oh, shoot, what's it called? Uh, it's on Netflix. Um, that um, narrows it down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we stopped regular TV, so anytime someone says, what are you watching right now? I'm like, it's on Netflix. <laughs> Little do they know, everything's on Netflix. Um I will let me think about the name. I'm, I feel so under pressure. Okay, well, is it a is it a crime thing or funny or? Um, Did you say it was like Undercover Betty or something? <laughs> it's not Undercover Betty. It's oh. Uh, oh my gosh, what is it? Hold on. That sounds like a premise for a great show, though. You know what's great about the Netflix thing is um, it has an app. And I can go to it. <laughs> this is what happens when you're brain What am dead. I watching? Yeah, what am I watching right now? How many times have we said Netflix lately? Like, yeah, we need, to, we need to get a plug. Netflix. Or at least free, a free... A free $7 Netflix. subscription? Yes. Yes. You guys should get a plug, actually. <laughs> is that how much Netflix is? Seven, uh, 7 to $13, something like that. Oh I remember getting DVDs um, <laughs> one at a time. From Netflix as we continue to filibuster while Christina looks for whatever show she's watching. Oddly enough, it says continue watching Super Wings. That is not what we're watching. By you the watch. Way. You have a lot of kids shows on here. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? That's what happens when you have uh, when you have, Jesus. I, I guess they only watch TV and we don't. I, we don't really watch that much TV. But I'm binge watching. Okay. So Christina just <laughs> drug this one right into the sewer. Her first qu- answer was amazing. This one was not so much. Okay, wait. We, you, you can rebound here. Beer or wine? Uh, wine. See, you could have said both. Since well, it is thing. both. It's great, but it's, if it's I had wine. to choose, it's wine. Red or white wine? Oh, non-dis- I, I don't discriminate. All right. I even drink the pink stuff. Nice. <laughs> Hashtag rosé all day. Uh, what is your favorite vacation spot? 
I, I right now I like the beach. Um, I like the beach. Everybody likes the beach. I love it. And we're so close. We could just, you could skip your flight and we go to Galveston. This is not fair to be looking at the water and then tell me that I'm getting on a flight in a few minutes. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What's your your favorite local restaurant? You live in the Chicago area. Where do I go most often? I mean, I can't necessarily afford my favorite thing uh, all the time. We have so many good restaurants in Chicago. You have a lot of good restaurants. We have a lot of good restaurants. And that's why when you say, what's your favorite food? I say food because we've got like Italian, we've got Asian. I mean, and we have everything in between fusion. Um, but I super love this sushi restaurant that I went to the other day. It's called Kaizen. Oh my gosh. And it blew my mind. I can't stop looking at pictures of it. it is, I, I just want to keep remembering. Is that your screensaver? Oh, I mean, your no, wallpaper like, for your phone? Look at this picture. And people are like, it's uh, sushi. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Kaizen. Go, go. What is the uh, the last good book that you read? I think it was actually The Handmaid's Tale. I got I to gotta do it. I got to read it. I'm going to... I just read it recently, even though it's from the 80s, but I just read it recently because I wanted to watch the series. Yeah, I don't think I did ever read it. It was wild. Yeah. Wildly good. I'll read it and then watch the series on Netflix. (laughs) Uh, So, peanut butter, crunchy or smooth? Oh, smooth. What in the world? Yeah, we're getting a run of people on the smooth end here. Mm. We've got to have a meeting. (laughs) Uh, Coffee or tea? Tea. Amen. Really? Yeah, Yeah, love tea. Drink lots of it, way too much of it. She does. I know. I was with her in uh, in California, and she had some tea. Mm-hmm. We found a good. Uh, what is that? Forte. Oh F-O. yeah, Forte. That, I bought that, a whole thing of it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's Little. It's a, it's a wonderful tea thing. Forte. We love it. Hashtag yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag your turn. Get me out of here. <laughs> Uh, what is the last sporting event or theatrical play or concert that you attended? Um, did I tell you guys that I have small children? <laughs> so, so her kids beating each other up with hockey yeah. sticks in the living room. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I can't even tell you. Last good movie that you saw in a the theater? Um, that was uh, uh, the Avengers thing. Ah, Avengers Infinity War. Oh, actually, you know what? I might say Star Wars. That that was really good. I like really? that last right. Star Wars. All right. The yeah. Last Jedi. Very nice. Yeah, that was good. You didn't see Aquaman? No, I didn't see Aquaman. Why do you say it like that? I, Jason Momoa is an Aquaman. Oh, we hit a button. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. That, that name, that name seems... <laughs> Just mentioning his name. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, that, name's, that name seems to find our way into every uh, podcast episode that we do, which is weird because it's not part of the food service industry. But he eats food at restaurants, and if he hears this... For, well, I really don't think fact, he does. I think he just he kills animals in the wild with his bare hands. He might do just that. Just breaks them Without over his Without a shirt on. Yes. 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 Fun fact, his wife, Lisa Bonet, is my exact age. Just so... You guys Just look saying. exactly alike. Very, very, very similar looking. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So um, last question. What song do you listen to that you're embarrassed to admit that you listen to? Bump. 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 Is this when you're working out? Or yes. Or? Totally the workout song. It's how you have to finish the workout is with Eye of the Tiger. Going to the sushi restaurant. <laughs> yes, that was a good three-mile jog. Success. So we're sorry that you had to be 
part of all of this craziness. <laughs> See, I told you we have fun though. That's what it's we all do about. have fun. Okay. We do have fun. Justin, put your professionalness on. Oh, I already left ten minutes ago. <laughs> After that eye of the tiger, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> All right, so, so you're also embarrassed that that's my embarrassing. Yes, talk? oh yeah, you're embarrassed for her. Yes, okay. and for myself. Well, that's good. And really, I just don't. Want, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, no, I'm just kidding. So, as uh, you said, I'll, I'll professionally wrap this up. I'll attempt to at least. So, anyway, uh, Christina, thank you very much for taking time to chat with us about the industry and about Imperial uh, and about the future of the industry. And Carrie, thanks for all your um, valuable input. I guess. Uh, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to this mess of a podcast. Uh, We will have another episode uh, in the next two weeks. If you do have an opportunity, please subscribe, rate, and review. And stay tuned for our next episode again in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye.